let me leave you with this, mamas, to encourage you. In a, in a world where we are inundated with backward messages about the value of motherhood, what it means to be a mom, and what our parenting goals should be, I think we as Christian mothers desperately need to understand God's design for motherhood. And let me tell you, sister, there is freedom in his message and rest. It's simple. We have been tasked with the discipleship of our children for God's glory. And so I'm specifically speaking here in terms of motherhood. It's not about raising smart, athletic, and popular children for our or their glory. And it's not about glorifying ourselves as we create the appearance of having it all together. Just make disciples for His glory. Alrighty, hey ladies, this is Christy Young with The Gritty Gospel. I'm super excited to be back with y'all today. As I'm mulling around why I'm doing this podcast, why I'm getting it started, it's giving me clarity as I think about and consider the topics that I want to discuss on the show. And so I think for right now, our tagline is going to be tackling tough issues that impact real women through a biblical worldview. And so we are going to aim to look at a lot of challenging issues that face our culture, a lot of tough issues that face women in general, tough issues in parenting, tough issues just in the culture um, that that it would do us well uh, and we can be encouraged by looking at all of them, examining all of them through a biblical worldview. It would be awesome to put it all on blast in a loving way, a godly way, as we deal with parenting, discipleship, trauma, depression, anxiety, uh, suffering, uh, parenting, just things that we're all wrestling with and looking at them all from a biblical worldview. And so I'm super excited about it, you guys. Um, today we're going to be talking about the double-minded man or woman. Scripture talks about a double-minded man. And in referring and using that phrase, they're talking about mankind. Uh, it's in the, um, and the reference is in the book of James. James is named as the author of the book of James. And so he is discussing what it looks like to be double-minded. And that's not a compliment. It's not a good thing. It's nothing that we as believers want to be characterized by. And so I think it's worth examination uh, for us. In the event we could find encouragement in it, we could maybe, if we see ourselves in it as the double-minded woman, man, it'll challenge us, convict us, help us to maybe uh, identify some areas where we can grow, which is always awesome as a believer. We never stop growing, praise be to God. He's always sanctifying us, always challenging us. Man, always, you know, you feel like you're being uh, thrown in the fires of sanctification, Uh, but that's all so good and so sweet and so beneficial to us uh, as he's making us more and more like his son. And so here is the double-minded man or woman, and we're going to delve into scripture in just a minute so you can see where I'm getting these, uh, this definition from, but it's a person that's preoccupied with the present world. So preoccupation with the world that we live in, desiring not to give up earthly or worldly pleasure, comfort and status, but also desiring to secure eternity in heaven. So somehow it's The double-minded woman has one foot in the things of this world, trying to cling to, hold on to, keep, continue to have and maintain comfort, status, um, and worldly pleasure, while also trying not to let go of heaven, to secure eternity in heaven. And man, it's clear really from scripture that we are called to be characterized by single-mindedly having a desire to enjoy our heavenly father and to bring him glory as we make disciples of Jesus. And so really in an ideal world, we would be single-minded and set 
and set our sights on his mission and walk that out in this life. And that's my goal for myself, for my children, for my husband. Um, And of course, we're all imperfect. So we're ever trying to veer off that uh, path, that trek. Um, But man, it is our aim. And we petition the Lord to help us to be people who would single-mindedly pursue him. And so ladies, do you mind if I pray? I'm going to pray for us right now. Heavenly Father, God, Lord, we praise you, Father, that you've given us life and breath. Lord, that you have blood pumping through our veins right now, God. Lord, thank you. Thank you for all your kindnesses and your mercies, Father. Thank you for your son, Jesus. God, thank you for making us aware of our sin, Father, through the law and through your word. God, thank you for redeeming us and saving us through the blood of your Son. Thank you, God, for loving us enough to make a plan from the very beginning of time, God, to save a people unto yourself. Father, we love you and praise you. And God, I pray that you would work right now through this podcast, through this time in your word, God, to challenge your people, convict your people, to draw people who may not know you unto yourself, Father. God, we love you and praise your holy name. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, and so let me let me put myself on blast for a minute so that you guys can all know that I don't speak from a place of like acting like I've got it all together. In fact, I I so identify with Paul who said, you know, wretched man that I am. Like he is chief among sinners, and that's how he characterized himself. I the older that I get, the more I realize how sinful and imperfect. I am, and that even in my most righteous of deeds, because the host of me is still sinful, have sinful thoughts, sinful actions, I get frustrated at my kids, or I lash out at my kids, or um, man, and then I just repent. I just realize that I am no good, and that I desperately daily need the Lord to be at work in me. And so this passage in James is very uh, close to my heart in terms of challenging me, convicting me, because when I, my whole life, uh, until I was probably 25-ish, um, I just pursued what uh, good things, but they were worldly things. You know, I pursued basketball. I traveled playing basketball. I, I competed in cross country. I, uh, I don't know. I did a lot of things. I, you know, excelled in education and academics. I pursued those things with all of my fervor and my best energies and my livelihood and not realizing though that on the back burner and and a lot of it uh, had to do with the way I was raised but you know there were there was no awareness of what life's mission was except until working for the Ameri- toward the American dream and so and so that's what I did I made good grades my, I knew my aim was to get a good job so I could pro- provide for myself and my family and that was my goal to provide and to get myself situated in the world to be able to survive and thrive and own a house and maybe have a family and get married if the Lord saw fit to do that and uh, but there had been no more thought in any of that than unto that end and so I very much was preoccupied with the world. I desired to make a name for myself. I desired to prove to myself and to my people around me, to my parents, that I could be an attorney, that I could go to law school, that I could make good grades, that I could uh, do this challenging endeavor. That's what I did. And so, but man, with I, I mean, I was single-mindedly pursuing that, the American dream. Definitely not the Lord. Definitely not, even though I do believe that I love God, but somehow he was on the back burner. I was definitely preoccupied with the world. And so some of you may identify with that. You may be pursuing career right now. You may be pursuing 
sports, well, unto uh, where that is the very center of your lives and that everything in your life revolves around that, which is not ideal, right? The way scripture tells us to set up our lives is to put Christ at center and then Everything we do in this life should revolve around Him at the epicenter of our lives. And so, you know, career should serve unto that end. Um, or And then unto provision for our families. And then we should be discipling for His glory. We should be making money, ultimately, for His glory, knowing that that's all His too, and that we use that for His glory and not to build up a kingdom for ourselves or comfort here. So I guess my point is, I was preoccupied with the world, with making a name for myself, with pursuing career. And then the Lord challenged me and convicted me um, through these verses with what I should be desiring and pursuing. And so we all have to decide, and I want to speak to you mamas, women, we have to decide who we're going to be and what we're going to stand for, because we are here for a short time. We are but a mist, scripture says, and a mist comes and then vaporizes and it's quickly gone. And so what are we going to use our time here on earth for? Uh, and then God sheds light on what he calls us to and what he commands us to, to do. And so um, I'd encourage you all to look at what your is your driving motivation in your days you know why do you wake up in the morning what gets you going which thoughts are you is your mind always on work always on uh education is it always on uh i don't know the busyness of the day what consumes your thoughts because if it's anything other really than the mission of christ at its core, I get it that we have a million things running through our brains at any given time because we do manage a lot. But at the, at the ultimate center of it, why are you doing all that you're doing? Are you made motivated by a love for Christ and what he's done for you that you desire to hold him at center, herald him, and bring him to mind every day for your kids? And all that you do as you run around, um, are you aiming to train and disciple, or are we really throwing away our days, aiming to make another dollar, climb the corporate ladder, or invest in a plethora of good things, sports and education, but what, where the gospel is absent? Because then that's all an act of futility. We're not helping our kids at all for eternity if that is our motivation. Okay, so our lives should be characterized by the single-minded desire to enjoy our Father and bring Him glory as we make disciples of Jesus. That should be our goal, to single-mindedly, we wake up in the morning aiming to love our kids well, love our husband well, to serve them, to love them, to teach them, to disciple them, to train them, to take them places, to cook them meals, all because we richly, deeply love Jesus and we're so grateful for what He's done that then we pour ourselves out for all the people around us because well, with joy, because he's called us to it and because we want to do it because we're so grateful for what he's done for us. That is the hope. So that seems simple, but in the busyness of our lives, we instantly, it's hard, we neglect God's word. Oftentimes we are not daily in the word of God. And without that, y'all, the connection's broken. You will never desire to bring God to mind to daily a daily remembrance um, before your kids, with your kids, if you're not daily in the Word of God, um, because then you're disconnected. And so somehow the very Word of God, the Word of God says that it is um, alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, but that it, there is something about the Word of God that actively changes you as you read it. Your desires, your heart, it cultivates within us a softer, milder, more grace-filled 
um, patient, loving, understanding, all of these fruits of the Spirit are born out in us to a greater degree as we read God's Word because it's alive. It's actively working in and through us. And so we have to stay connected to the Word of God in order to be worth anything to our children. You have nothing to offer your kids if you are empty yourself, if you're chasing the world yourself. You will never have anything worth offering to your children for eternity. And so we must commit to being in the Word of God every day. And then otherwise, it's so easy for us to pursue all of our idols. And think about this. I think a lot of people don't think that education can be an idol. But for me, even as a homeschooling mom, man, I see why. There are a lot of people who homeschool for a lot of different reasons. And man, I just don't want any of us ever to get caught up. Whether we, no matter how we educate our kids, uh, education can be an idol just because we want to have the smartest kids, the brightest kids, the most entertaining kids. I don't know, whatever. Just make sure that education is not an idol for you. And I want to make sure that it never becomes an idol for me, that it, we put it in its place. It is, I mean, for us as believers, really, education is designed to show our children how beautiful God's world wor- world is, that he's created. It's a beautiful. We I heard someone say one time that the goal of education is for our kids to just ever stand in awe of God. And so that's my hope for my kids and to always have a love for learning so that as they get older, they will continue to love to learn and be intrigued by things and be curious and ask questions and dig deep and to just to continue to learn into their 40s and 50s and 60s and unto death. And so I certainly hope they're studying scripture like that. I want to be, and then we have to model that for them. I want to be studying scripture like that. I want to be standing in awe of God's creation as, for example, we hear a heartbeat in a baby at six weeks old. I want to stand with my children. We did today actually in the kitchen and talk about how beautiful and complex that is and how we I, there's a man and a woman do not create a child, but God has woven the our bodies together in such a way to make this incredibly, this miracle happen in a woman's body. And that such that at six weeks old, there's a heartbeat um, in a little baby, a nugget the size of a bean. And so I think we've got a model for our kids standing in awe of God at, and during every season of our lives. And then they will learn to stand in awe of God. <clears throat> And then so our other idols can be education, sports, comfort, our comfort. Y'all, we are so comfortable. We've got to step out of our comfort zones to go to walk into the mess. And then um, vacations where, you know, we would be, I don't know, just storing and putting away money. We can easily make money and wealth an idol. And then and for that money unto the end of serving us or serving our families or giving us our next vacation that we idolize really for six months before we get to take it and then we're bummed when it's over or then we just look forward to the next vacation i don't know i think we've got to be careful to guard our hearts that that does not become an idol for us because it certainly does um is an idol in the culture and then y'all even among christians it's what's sad is that even among christians um oftentimes it's hard to see the fruit of a believer when we are pursuing worldly things. You know, we should be bearing fruit. That's what scripture says, that we should be we should be the mo- most fruitful of people as we stay connected to the vine of Christ. That then through us, he should be we should be abounding in love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. We should abound in good works. People should know us by the love we have for one another and by the ways that we 
deny ourselves to look after people in need, the orphans, orphans and widows, um, that should characterize us as believers. And so if that doesn't characterize you, man, I challenge you to petition the Lord and to ask him to be at work in your spirit. I know that I often petition him in all the same ways, like, Lord, make much of my life for your glory. Help me to be a light to people in the dark. Um, And Lord, help me to grow in intimacy with you so that I desire to have your name on my tongue. James 1, 5 through 8 says this. Okay, it's James 1, 5 through 8. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting. For the doubter is like the surging sea, driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, being double-minded and unstable in all his ways." A person who's preoccupied with the present world, desiring not to give up earthly pleasure, status, and comfort, but also who desires to secure eternity in heaven, is identified in this passage as the double-minded man. I just want to read you a little something. These are two paragraphs. I'm working on a book, actually. And so here are two paragraphs from that book. According to Hebert, double-minded is literally two-souled. The woman of two souls, who has one for the earth and another for heaven, who wishes to secure both worlds, she will not give up earth, and she is loath to let heaven go. As In the context of motherhood, the double-minded mother is a woman whom God has blessed with children, who has a measure of belief and faith in God, but may or may not be aware that her pursuit of worldly endeavors is causing her to neglect her God-given discipleship responsibility toward her children. She is quite literally of two minds and torn between obedience to God and her desires for the things the world has to offer, which renders her ineffective and unfruitful for the kingdom of God. Y'all, we do not want to be the double-minded woman. So to me, and then can I tell you, I have been in this place, even with my career, when I felt called out of my career to disciple my kids, but man, wrestling with the Lord where I, y'all, you get it for all of you who work and have invested time and career or have climbed up the ladder and you're now in a career where you've put in time, you've put in the hard work and you feel like you you don't want to set it all aside, but you may be feeling you may be wrestling with the Lord in some of these areas because I know that God desires it's very clear from scripture from Deuteronomy six God desires parents to be pouring into their children diligently that we are called when we take walks along the road when we sit down and when we rise when we lie down it, um, th- that Deuteronomy six that passage contemplates every time of the day that we would be engaged in diligent discipleship of our kids. And so that's what we're called to. And so we can work, certainly, but it shouldn't be at the epicenter of our lives. And we can do any number of good things that should not be at the epicenter of our lives. The very center of our lives and the core of our lives should revolve around making our house a church on the street and for our children. Our days should be characterized by a love for the Lord and worshiping him, reading his word, bringing him to mind in the minds of our children, even as we go and as we do things and when we cook breakfast and as we, I don't know, eat lunch. And then as we come home and the end of, at the end of the day, when we're tired, uh, 
I don't know, to find ways throughout the day to weave in worship and God's word and talk, discussion of Christ. All of that should be happening naturally throughout the day. And if, let me encourage you, if none of this is happening for you at all, just start with something. Begin to read a little portion of God's word with your kids at some point during the day. Begin to turn on uh, hymns you love, like the Shane and Shane hymns are incredible, or uh, I don't know, just there there are great Christian playlists that are singing scripture, even that's an easy way to help memorize scripture. Uh, and just enjoy the Lord together, find ways to enjoy God to enjoy discussions about the Word of God. And then speak from be candid with your kids to talk about things you struggle with, repent before them, let them see you repent and have sorrow over your sin. So I guess my encouragement really is to just live out loud your faith walk before your children. Teach them. They're learning from you. They're watching you and how you hold yourself, how you talk to others, where you spend your quiet time. Like, how, how do you spend your downtime? Um, they want, they hear you in the way that you speak to them, in the way that you either honor them as being image bearers of Christ, or, or if you literally with the same mouth that you might praise God, you curse them. They know that, and they are soaking it all in. I also feel like, can I just say this? I also feel like a lot of the reason that, or some portion of the reason that we battle depression, sadness, frustration, uh, discontentment for us as women, I'm literally speaking to us as women. I believe that we are trying to fill this void that God needs to be to fill. We have a void in our spirits that only God can fill. We desire to be reconciled with our God. And sin makes that sin breaks that chain, right? Sin is right here breaking that chain. And but we desire to be reconciled to God. And if we have faith and trust in Christ and we believe in what in his what his finished work on the cross, then we can repair that and we have a relationship with God that fills this huge void in our hearts so that we can be content, we can find joy, we can have satisfaction. Um, but if we don't if this relationship with God and ourselves stays broken, then we spend our lives toiling away like a hamster on a hamster wheel, trying to fill this void we feel, but we can't fill on our own. And so I also believe that if you are wrestling with sadness or depression or guilt in all of these ways, I think that you need to run to God and repent. Repent of your neglect. If there's been neglect of his word, neglect of discipleship of your kids, Oh, y'all, it's still, it can be so simple to just repent before him and ask him to help you to begin today to start building a life that is anchored in him. Oh, and that'd be so beautiful. And what a sweet example to your kids to say, look, you know, I have not been doing this the way I, I should have been doing this, but the Lord is so good and so kind to teach me and show me a new way. And so let's start incorporating some of these maybe spiritual disciplines in our days. Let's read God's word together. Let's worship together. Let's talk about this. What are some of the questions you might have, kiddo, about Jesus um, or about the word of God? And so that would be a great place to start. And then my encouragement to you moms, I've already said this too, is that we would be on the, I believe, the way I like to think about it in my mind, we are on the front lines of battle. We are with our children, uh, likely more than any other person in their lives. And so we have the unique privilege of showing them what this life is about, the spiritual warfare that's happening, the... I don't know that our all of our battles are not with flesh and blood, but they're with the rulers and authorities in heavenly places that, you know, not all of what we 
we're, we live in a matrix. Basically, it's kind of like the movie. I, I, you know, everything that we see is almost kind of not real, right? There's a whole lot going on that we can't see, and we can't see what's happening. And so we've got to teach our kids that about spiritual warfare, and to know that sometimes when you battle depression, sometimes when you battle these things going on in your mind, you've got to take your thoughts captive to obey Christ. You need to plant yourself firmly in the Word of God, saturate your mind with the Word of God, because there are enemies. There is the cult. You're getting all kinds of messages from the culture that would tell us things that conflict with the Word of God. And you guys, I cannot wait to talk about this in another episode of the podcast. So hold on tight. Um, but for now. My encouragement to you is this. We must be mindful not to spend the majority of our the hours we have each day pursuing our work while we forsake our duty to raise our children in the Lord. I just feel like that is an epic fail on our part if we have the ability to simplify and to sacrifice, to pour into our children, we should do it. And of course, there are moms, there are people who do not have the ability to work less or to uh, sacrifice any more than they already do. They are working to put food on the table for their children. And I think that is commendable work. And then you know what, mama, if that is you, you just encourage your babies every hour you're with them. You pour God's word into them when you see them. You enjoy the Lord with them in the hour you get with them in the evening. I mean, you just make the best of it you can and then try to find ways to pack their lives full of other people too who might be able to mentor them in Christ and find people who would walk alongside you to be a community for your children. I also want to say this. When we wake up in the mornings, no matter our station in life, all of us as believers and as women who are aiming to raise children who would glorify God and would know God and walk with God and be comforted by God and find joy and uh, sustaining grace in the Lord, we need to look at our days and work with eternity in mind. So my encouragement to you, Mama, is to work with eternity in mind. And we just can't allow ourselves to get caught up in the culture and adopt the ideals of the culture when they conflict with biblical truth because we are inundated every day through media, through TV, with all of the values of the culture. And can I tell you, they do not line up with scripture. And so, and then for me, can I tell you, for me, it's a joy-filled, awesome thing because scripture is simple. Scripture is simple. We keep the goal is to keep Christ at the center of our lives and to teach our children about who he is, what he's done, and then to make disciples of them and of anyone else the Lord allows to be put in our path, and then to aim to be obedient to the word of God. So then we get to go out and be at work with our kids to serve the poor, to look after the orphan and the widow, to bear bur- bear one another's burdens with people in the church, to... We just get to serve in every capacity. We get to serve and show our kids what it looks like to joyfully serve the body of Christ, to serve unbelievers in the name of Christ, to look after foster kids, to adopt kids, to, I don't know, meet people in poverty and help meet their needs. And so elderly shut-ins, if we can meet their needs, I just think on every front, we go to work, but not out of our unfilled pot, but because Christ has done what he's done for us, we overflow in good works because we are a, we are so aware and grateful of what he's done for us that it makes us want to live differently and with, etern- with eternity in mind. 
So here it is, girls. Let us stand on the front lines of the battle against the enemy and against our flesh, dressed in the armor of God, wielding the word of God, teaching, equipping, and discipling. Let us recognize that our value comes from who we are in Christ, not in the position we hold, not in how much money we make or how highly we've been educated. And so that should encourage you too, moms who moms who maybe didn't pursue career, moms who have not been educated through college, or moms who, can I tell you something? Can I just give you this as sisterly advice? You're not missing out on anything. If you are in your home, busy at work, educating, training, discipling your children, whether they're in public school or homeschooled, you know, you are doing good work, good work, and you are not missing out on anything by not being out in the work work world. Um, I just, I have so many friends, um, actually right now, I have a couple of friends that come to mind that are battling with whether or not to go back to work, whether to come out of work, what to do, but they are in this, they are torn between the world and what the world values really, and then what you know, the wrestlings they feel in their spirit, uh, because I literally just read this in Hebrews today or yesterday, because that's where I am in my own like personal study of the Bible. And so can I just tell you, oh, and I love this. Uh, This was Jesus talking about how he was making a superior covenant and that, you know, the old covenant did not have the ability to save and that, and for a while, you know, God showed no concern for his people after he led them out of Egypt. He said, I showed no concern for them, says the Lord, because they did not continue in my covenant. But then he says this about the new covenant. And y'all, this is in Hebrews chapter eight, verses, verse 10. He said, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. So God is so good to now begin to write on our hearts his law. And so, oh, as we wrestle with things, we have to be aware that if our spirits are wrestling with something, God has written his laws into our minds and put them on our hearts so that when we have great conviction, we need to pause and sit in that for a minute and surrender it to the Lord and ask him for wisdom and guidance because God has now in this new superior covenant written his law on our hearts and on our minds. And y'all, that is a big deal, huge, so that when we feel conviction, we need to, man, pause for a minute, ask the Lord for clarity in it, ask for his wisdom and direction for him to establish our steps, which he is faithful to do. But man, we can't just dismiss it. If we are wrestling with something, we definitely need to take it before the Lord and ask him to make us wise, help us have wisdom that we don't have because we know his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Okay. And then, so, and let me, let me leave you with this, mamas, to encourage you. In a, in a world where we are inundated with backward messages about the value of motherhood, what it means to be a mom and what our parenting goals should be, I think we as Christian mothers desperately need to understand God's design for motherhood. And let me tell you, sister, there is freedom in his message and rest. It's simple. We have been tasked with the discipleship of our children for God's glory. And so I'm specifically speaking here in terms of motherhood. It's not about raising smart, athletic, and popular children for our or their glory. And it's not about glorifying ourselves as we create the appearance of having it all together. Just make disciples for his glory. And so, sisters, I hope you can rest in that message. And I love you so much. And I'm with you in it, in the trenches every day, working, discipling, 
praying that the Lord would do mighty work in the hearts of our children. And so I pray, I'm excited for you, and I pray that we will continue to get to meet together in the weeks to come. Love you so much. I'm out. This is Christy Young with The Gritty Gospel. Until next time, love you sisters.